What's going on guys? My name is Aldenero and welcome to episode 79 of the Midnight Hour. First up, I want to say I'm really sorry that it's been so long. It's been three weeks, uh, which is a long time for there to be a gap in between new episodes, but it's also good to... Um, refresh your minds with some older episodes to show the evolution of the podcast and to remind everyone that Jack still exists and uh, obviously we all hope that he comes back to the podcast someday and I'm sure he will in some capacity even if it is in like a guest role for you know one show a year or something like that but this episode that you're about to hear is a really good return episode if I do say so myself I had a lot of fun researching it and even more fun recording it it's with myself and Dr. John and it is a discussion on conspiracies actual conspiracies that actually happened um there's no hysteria or panic or speculation or any lizard people mentions or anything like that. This is a topic that I would have previously brushed off with the iron fist of skepticism that I've approached all sorts of conspiracy theory discussions over the last few years, but I did want to make the point that I'm not completely close-minded and I do believe that there are perfectly legitimate reasons to question anybody in authority um, and basically just to, you know, show that I'm not an ideologue. But also, it's just a really interesting thing to ponder and think about, especially in this day and age. Um, we list off several false flag operations that have taken place, and we'll explain what a false flag operation is. Um, and we also just discuss many... Um, like actual conspiracies that occurred and that are in the public domain that you can research on your computer yourself when you're finished listening. Uh, you can come to us and tell us if we did anything wrong. But this episode is also, even though it's a really serious topic, a very lighthearted take, I think. Even a lot of the things we say, um, perfectly legitimate, serious points, but we have a lot of fun in this episode. Anyway, um, if you want to discuss the episode further, there is a comment section on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Apart from iTunes, I don't think you can comment on iTunes, but you can leave a review, and I thank you for doing so. Um, but mainly, I would like you guys to go to the subreddit, which is reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour. Um, I'm going to make a website pretty soon. I actually inquired as to the availability of midnighthour.com or themidnighthour.com. It's, it's, it's a domain that's up. But there's no website there, and it is for sale. So anyway, I inquired. They got back to me. It cost 10 grand. 10 grand for a fucking domain, The Midnight Hour. Jesus Christ. I I'd say the person bought that up as soon as I made the podcast and was like, yeah, this is going to be huge someday. If El De Niro gets this podcast on iTunes, and I think he will, it will take two years, but damn it, he'll do it. Um, yeah, he's, he'll pay 10 fucking grand for the, uh, the domain name. Another thing I wanted to say was that we are fast approaching the three-year anniversary of the Midnight Hour podcast. I'm not sure specifically what weekend it went up, but I think it was next weekend. So I think next weekend's episode will be episode 80, and it will also be the three-year anniversary. So um, that's pretty phenomenal and pretty amazing. And uh, looking back at episode one, which was an episode about guilty pleasures, um, seeing the comments on it and seeing that a lot of you guys are still hanging around just brings lots of warm feelings to my heart, and uh, I'm very happy about that. So um, harking back to the older days, we're going to have a custom-made intro um, for my 
my amateur hour at the Sony Vegas soundbite editing thing. Um, and then we're going to get into the episode, and I really hope that you guys enjoy it. If you have not done so already, please leave a like on YouTube and SoundCloud, because it's kind of, I mean... Obviously, audio platforms aren't very interactive in terms of the feedback that you get on it. So the only real way I have to know that you're listening are the statistics, and that's boring. So if you interact with it, like by leaving a like or a comment, then I know that you're there, and that's fun for me. And it feeds my ego, which, again, is the most important thing in the world. Anyway, play the intro, enjoy the episode, and I'll talk to you guys at the very end. Peace. I don't say peace like that. That's a Nepenthes thing, I think. Anyway, fuck this. You, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. I, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, do solemnly swear. That you will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will, to the best of your ability, and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help you God. So help me God. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes. But in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. This is a wartime broadcasting service. This country has been attacked with nuclear weapons. Communications have been severely disrupted and the number of casualties and the extent of the damage are not yet known. And pretty soon, there'll be blood pouring out of people's heads like a crimson highway. No power in the verse can stop me. So, thanks for coming back on the show. Um, You're very welcome. Today we're going to talk about actual conspiracies and false flags that are confirmed and things that have actually happened. So, um, no tinfoil hatty crazy stuff, just actual stuff with facts. <laughs> well, hopefully facts along the way. Um, so, just to start off, um, I guess I will give a very, very, very brief overview of the Watergate scandal because... It's probably the most major political scandal that has ever happened in the West. Would that be a crazy thing to say? Definitely in, in like recent memory. Like, yeah, I, I'd say that's fair enough. Yeah, post-slavery and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah, and post-World War Two. Yeah, so this happened in the 1970s after um, basically the American like white house led by richard nixon who was <laughs> pretty crazy um he was kind of a very paranoid man and just did not like anybody questioning him like the, he had like a terrible record of if anyone went against him he would set the irs on them like get them to audit them straight away like just cause all of this you know, red tape, inflict red tape upon people and just make their lives a little bit more difficult using his presidential power to do it. Um, yeah. And basically it came up to uh, to the early 1970s when he was trying to go to be re-elected. And so he incited a break-in at the 
Democratic National Committee. Um, their headquarters was at the Watergate office complex in Washington, which is where the Watergate thing comes from. I actually thought it was something to do with a guy named Water, and they added gate to the end of it because oh, every scandal good. gets gate added to the end of it. Yeah, and I only yeah. found out that it was because of Watergate that people add gate to the end of every scandal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, a couple of uh, Nixon's cronies broke into the um, the DNC headquarters, and they actually messed up the first time. They meant to plant um, like wires, wiretaps, so that they could tap all the phones and figure everything out that uh, the DNC w- were talking about and find out all of their information and everything. Um, they actually messed it up, and they had to go and break in again. So they broke in to the <laughs> DNC headquarters twice, and. Um, then what happened from there is is probably the scandal itself. Well, that, that's what John thinks. I'm not sure. I don't really know. Like, but Nixon went to outrageous lengths to cover his tracks and just continually just dug himself this huge hole. Um, mm. And it transpired that um, Nixon himself was a very, very paranoid man, and he recorded every single phone call that took place within the White House. Um, and so he would listen to all of these calls and everything. And eventually what happened was information started getting leaked from Nixon's cabinet. And then he started to go a little bit more insane each time. And all of this stuff got leaked. And by the end of it, he was impeached. Though he actually resigned pending Yeah, before. Exactly. But um, he famously exclaimed on multiple occasions that he was not a crook, and it turned out that he was, in fact, a crook. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest crooks. Yeah, one of the biggest crooks in the history of the White House. And it's so... When I was um, researching this scandal, which... Like, I'd recommend for all the listeners to go and do your own research on it, because it's actually... It's really complex, and the reason that I'm not going too much into it, and the reason why I've given the most awful, watered-down version of it, is because it's just not exactly on the nose of the topic that we're talking about um but it does help to breed that sort of distrust of your government that sort Mm. of feeling that you have um but also we're going to talk about some stuff that came to light as a result of the watergate scandal and documents that got declassified and things like that but um yeah when i was researching it one of the things that really struck me was that i think the way that Nixon's government acted was sort of a really neat combination of both Trump and Hillary and the fears that people have for both of them. You know what I mean? Like, okay, okay. Sort of like Hillary's carelessness and her tendency to lie for political gain um, mixed with Trump's ego and narcissism and his tendency to lie about non-political things. You know, And I mean? also, I, I think Trump has an amazing kind of delusion of grandeur and a feeling of omnipotence that he can nearly get anything done and exactly. I guess that was it was that sentiment that sort of spurred Nixon on with the kind of self-belief and determination that he could basically remove himself from this insane scandal Nixon famously said it's not illegal if the president does it oh wow really yeah yeah that's one of his famous <laughs> quotes and that was wow. about a different matter I think but that's the that's the sort of mentality he had was the Machiavellian the ends justify yeah. the means type thing which will actually um, just that sentiment alone will be pretty prevalent throughout this episode I think because it's the way that most governments tend to think when they do shady things that it's always for the greater good but um, yeah the Watergate scandal is crazy um, do you have anything to say about it in particular? Yeah I, I think there's sort of a, a recent kind of corollary of the Watergate scandal except like do you remember the WikiLeaks? Like, yes. That sort of thing in relation to Hillary while it wasn't 
probably orchestrated by Trump. It was really kind of basically the exact same sort of thing directed at one political party to denigrate them and to bolster the campaign of the other. Um, I, it just kind of transformed into something where there was sort of an intermediary between the two, Republican and Democrat, possibly from outside international forces. Yeah. Um, but possibly as well, like colluding with uh, like White House sources or, you know what I mean, as well. So I, I think that the WikiLeaks thing as well goes to show that there's still this sort of espionage tactics and strategists going on at the moment in kind of American politics. Yeah, it's interesting the way that you don't see the Watergate scandal um, uh, referred to as an example of whistleblowing culture or anything like that. It's never referred to as whistleblowing. It's always, obviously, the one of the main uh, leaks... Um, in uh, mm. one of the main informants in Watergate was a guy called Deep Throat, which obviously, haha, is a hilarious name. But um, that, <laughs> yeah. it's it's quite a common term in um, in espionage. It's it's your informant is referred to as your Deep Throat, like that's your so cool, yeah, yeah, the person that you've got on the. Do you remember Metal Gear Solid? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah was... Frank Yeager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I love Metal Gear Solid. Snake was like Deep Throat, the informant <laughs> from the Watergate scandal. And then it was yeah. like, never mind about that. <laughs> yeah. God, I love that game. Um, oh, it's, I, I think it's the best game franchise of all time. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the, the main guy, uh, the main informant was called Deep Throat. And I learned that he used to communicate with, his, with, his, uh, with the people who he was leaking the information to by writing a clock face or drawing a clock face on page 20 of the local newspaper that day. Wow. Yeah, so I guess he turned up to the person's house and, like, switched papers or something like that. Yeah. Otherwise, it implies that, like, the paper boy was in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the uh, the Watergate thing is crazy, and I think you guys should uh, have a look into it yourselves. Um, now, one of the main reasons I wanted to mention the Watergate scandal was because there is a... Uh, columnist, he's dead now, um, but his name was Jack Norman, Jack Northman Anderson, Jack Anderson, um, who was basically just an American journalist, and he used to make lots of uh, articles and columns about, um, I guess he was sort of lifting the lid on CIA plots, which we'll probably also mention later on in the episode, but particularly like their plot to assassinate Fidel Castro, and their plot to... Um, reinstall their own government in Iran and stuff like that and basically he was seen as like this huge thorn in the side of Nixon and so Nixon decided to have him assassinated and this is a fact like Richard Nixon literally tried to have a journalist assassinated and the mm. only reason that they didn't get it done was because the the so-called plumbers, they're called plumbers because they were hired by the White House to plug the leaks within the White House. Um, G. Gordon Liddy and E. Howard Hunt, um, they were the guys that were going to go about uh, assassinating Jack Anderson. And the only reason they didn't get it done was because they got arrested as a result of the Watergate break-in. Yeah, it's, it's mad. It's crazy. Like, he yeah. literally tried to have a journalist assassinated because what, what... he didn't agree with what he said. Yeah, one other motive I heard was that he, uh, Jack Anderson, uh, spilled the beans on Howard Hughes giving a loan to uh, Richard Nixon's brother. And apparently that was kind of causal in Richard Nixon's 1960 election fail. 
And so he harbored a grudge from like 12 years ago and wanted him dead from then. And then 1972 tried to get it orchestrated. And then, as you say, the people who he tried to do it with were implicated in the Watergate scandal. And so it all just kind of fell apart at the seams. What's interesting is that Nixon used to always tweet that he was the failing Jack Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, that that is fucked up. I mean, can you just imagine that nowadays? Like, I imagine know. Donald Trump trying to have a guy assassinated. I'm sure yeah. be a lot of cynics will say, oh, I can imagine that. Like, genuinely, I, I, I don't think that he would do that at all. But... Look at Putin, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, Jesus, there's a so huge... many accounts. Yeah, yeah. There's like, if, if you look into the um, the web that's springing out of the... Do webs spring? What do webs do when they when they leave the, <laughs> the body of the spider? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess they're kind of... Spinning? Made. The web that's spinning out of the... Um... That's spun. The web, the web, the web that's slowly Weaved. sprawling out of Wove. the Kremlin. The web that is woving out of the Kremlin. Um, just fucking Google Kremlin Putin murders and uh, look at the blood that that guy allegedly has on his alleged hands because it's pretty allegedly disturbing. Um, yeah, super disturbing. He's like a mob boss. He's like Vito Corleone. It's crazy. yeah. I can't believe in a, in a country as corrupt as Russia the, that he's kind of retained control and power for so long. Like it just goes to show the lengths he goes to maintain it if he's never been ousted or challenged. That's that political engineering that we talked about in the exactly. in the could the government control their thoughts episode. It, it's it's the um, the connections he has around him and the types of people he associates with that are on two completely different ideological planes and yet they end up being used for the same goal like he's such a like genius puppet master like, yeah you know like we think trump is great at manipulating the media well he is great at manipulating the media um putin is like that with everything <laughs> like, yeah it's crazy um but yeah i guess that like that is actually a great uh parallel to the um Nixon attempting to have a guy assassinated. Only Putin is a lot more suave and, like, yeah. you know, like he has that sort of air of um, invincibility. Yeah, completely. Like you'd never hear somebody imply that Putin is like a bumbling idiot, like you would about yeah, an American yeah. president. It's so funny that like the so-called evil presidents that have you know you know the ones that get the most media um scrutiny for their yeah. alleged evil deeds i am talking like george w in my lifetime george w bush um but even the likes of nixon and trump too they're constantly mm. referred to as idiots rather than actual yeah. evil like exactly sure like just think of um michael moore's book stupid white men yeah like yeah. international bestseller like centered around george w yeah yeah, it's crazy. You, there's something so exotic about a villain like uh, Putin. It's just that he's yeah, big time. Yeah, he's just he is like Don Vito Corleone of Russia, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, the the uh, the assassination attempt uh, or well uh, plot of Jack Anderson was something uh, that really blew my mind. And like, I mean, that is a conspiracy. That is a government conspiracy to assassinate somebody for political gain. Um. And a verified one. Yeah. I don't think you can assassinate someone for non-political gain, can you? It's not assassination at that point anymore. It's just murder, isn't it? 
I'm not sure, but I do know that it was actually Shakespeare who invented the word assassin. Yes, he did. Yeah, it's really cool. Shakespeare is my homeboy. Yeah, he is. I'm not sure what context he used it at its kind of inception. But um, yeah, can you assassinate someone not for political gain? I don't think you can. I think the nature of assassination is that it's always for political gain. You, you mm. never hear about a celebrity being assassinated. And I can't really think in our society... What about Tupac? Nah, Tupac got shot, murdered. I never hear anyone say Tupac got assassinated. Yeah, but people talk about like the Illuminati and stuff. I, I suppose... I guess they be making it political when they're using it in that way. Yeah. Um, I suppose so, yeah. By the way, I guess I should tell all the listeners that we're doing a follow-up to this episode about theories and non-verified stuff. And that's going to be really fun. <laughs> it's going to be opened by an hour of me talking about Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. Oh, I love him so much. Um, so should we talk about Project MK Ultra? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So this uh, is the CIA mind control program, which started in the 50s, I believe, and went all the way up to the 70s. And mm. it was a incredibly illegal and immoral and quite frankly, horrible program whereby the CIA induced um, drugs that had not even been... Like, they used LSD on people and they were trying to, they were trying to learn the effects of these chemicals um, to induce things like hypnosis and sensory deprivation. And uh, they also promoted uh, forms of sexual abuse and physical torture and psychological yeah. torture and stuff like that. They did so many illegal things, and a lot of it we don't even know about because there's only 20,000 pages um, that have been declassified um, under the Freedom of Information Act after the 70s. And the only reason we even know they're there is because they went through uh, such lengths to hide the actual documents that they burned a load of them before Watergate... Um, and then they filed loads of them across different things. So the 20,000 documents that they have were actually supposed to have been destroyed, but they were filed under some other stuff. So yeah. people actually stumbled across the MK Ultra documents. They weren't public knowledge at all. It was just part of you know, this crazy plan that pretty much nobody knew about. But it's yeah. one of the craziest things. So they used all of these um, uh, psycho uh, hallucinogenic drugs. Um, mm -hmm. And they were trying to, I guess the fear of communism in America was so strong that it's made intelligent people do absolutely insane things. But they were trying to test things like mind control. They were trying to uh, breed a generation of super soldiers like the ones that you see in the Captain America movie. Um, yeah. They were trying to like create webs of invisibility and stuff like that. They were also just trying to come up with ways of dousing an entire city in LSD so that all the residents would go insane and you know um yeah. just huge forms of basically any military or strategic or power-based application for lsd that you can imagine natural or supernatural that's what they were attempting to explore totally and also like kind of uh, just the the vastness and the scope of the institutions that were implicated in it. It went from colleges and universities to hospitals to prisons and to big pharma companies. Like all these were like complicit within the framework of MKUltra. It's just insane the scope of it. They were being used in um they were they, they funded 
um, under the MK Ultra umbrella to, to universities who, like, I mean, I don't think the professors or scientists at the university specifically knew what it was for because there was a lot of secrecy around it. But they were given government funds um, that were created through all these shell companies and stuff that the government created themselves. And they were told here, like, use this to do this test or whatever. But they, they funded like 75 universities or something. Wow. How many yeah. fucking universities were there in America? In yeah, the, in, back in the 1950s or Yeah, that's, like, yeah. That, that's more than one university in every state. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the possibility of you being um, an educated, a person who was educated at any time between the 50s and 70s at an American university, the possibility that you know directly or indirectly a person involved in the MK Ultra project is pretty damn high. Yeah. But like celebrities have also come out and yeah. and kind of revealed that they were part of the MK Ultra program. Yeah, like well known celebrities, and I think uh, there's a really good Stephen King book called Firestarter that kind of gave a it, it's fictional, but it gives a really good insight as to kind of what the sort of setup was like and stuff based off of uh, testimonies from actual patients or subjects. Yeah, the um, Whitey Bulger from the movie Black Man. Well, it's not where he's from. He's from real life. Um, he was serving a prison sentence in the 60s and he was offered um, some time off his sentence if he participated in a, in a US, uh, an LSD like test thing. Mm, so he yeah. did it and he, he was given acid tablets every day for a long time and he basically thought that his head was exploding and it drove him to the point of madness. And wow. like we all know what Whitey Bulger went on to do with his life. So, you know, yeah. I mean, he was in prison beforehand, but I wouldn't imagine that dropping multiple quantities of acid, like, helped <laughs> yeah, no, his exactly, criminality. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. There's a really good um, cult classic film called Jacob's Ladder with Tim Robbins in it. I'd really recommend watching it. It's amazing. But it basically talks about, like, uh, during the Vietnam War, the kind of potential abuse of soldiers to test out these sort of LSD-like drugs and in their kind of use in, in military conflicts. Yeah. It's a fascinating movie into like, like as an insight into the, the psychological turmoil and, and just life and death and all the rest. It's amazing. It's also part of the plot of Stranger Things, the Netflix uh, series. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is that what is potentially happening? Yeah, it's it pretty much is what's happening. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. They reference MK Ultra and they meet a victim of the MK Ultra uh, tests um, during that. And I don't want to spoil the revelation, but yeah. How do you they, know the revelation? It's in episode six, I think. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Did you like, watch I, it all? I, I've watched it all, and that was definitely like up there as a, a possible. Uh, solution but I, I didn't think it was a given oh I think I thought that it was pretty much confirmed that Elle was the kid the daughter of that woman who was you know brain dead from uh, LSD oh yeah no yeah yeah no de definitely yeah I think she was yeah but, but I guess just the implications of everything like like who, who were the the monsters then or what were the monsters oh yeah no they were created separately but it was sort of implied that her powers had come from the mk ultra project. ah no yeah oh yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah basically yeah. the upside down is a manifestation of her nightmares and stuff okay um, okay or rather cool. the upside down itself was um 
a dimension that they create or a dimension they found their way into from their own studies and tests and stuff mm. um, but the monsters it spawned were the manifestation of L's nightmares interesting yeah. I can't wait for the new uh, season yeah it's going to be awesome I, really I love awesome. Winona Ryder and I love um, David Harbour they're so good together like just yeah. really good chemistry but that, that love... kid Will no not Will um the older one is terrible, whatever his name is. Which one's the older the one? The old, uh, Will's brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just an awful actor. Yeah, he's kind of annoying. Yeah. One thing, actually, I was reading up on in relation to the MKUltra program that I thought was fascinating, just because I'm really interested in sort of neuroimaging of lying, which is kind of becoming more and more mainstream now, or at least like it's being talked about a lot more. They used to do this thing where they basically cannulate both your arms. So cannulate, like they'd stick kind of devices into both your arms, into both veins. And they'd inject barbiturates into one to put you asleep. But right before you went to sleep, they'd shoot your other arm full of amphetamines. And while you're kind of like feeling the hit of the up of amphetamines, they'd ask you all these questions. And apparently, like, they were able to get remarkable accuracy as like in relation to the truth of the confessions. Wow. Yeah, just but like IV barbiturates, which are kind of like depressors and downers, and then amphetamines, which are uppers. But they just like would kind of mix them in, in, in such a concoction that, yeah, it was conducive to forming confessions. I hope they don't. <laughs> <Go ahead>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, no, that is really interesting, though. Um, yeah. I, I heard about that aspect of it, but not that it was a... I, I never heard any sort of results of their tests if you know what i mean like yeah yeah when i was researching it i just i just found stuff that was really fucked up um there was one story i heard where they um there was this guy he was a he was a doctor and he would keep people in a vegetative state for like three months basically um and just try and do tests on them while they were asleep and stuff and there was another guy who was literally a convicted child molester and they hired him to molest children that are on lsd oh my god that is like a cia conducted thing that they did um so like that is just absolutely mental um and what was the point like what (laughs) i don't know i have no idea yeah um, they That's did a they did a lot of things related to sort of um, like sexual abuse. I, so bizarre. Absolutely no idea why. I like I can't even say that they did it to try and get to the bottom of like the brain of a person that abuses kids because they actually did the tests and the abuse on the fucking kids. So I yeah. I guess I guess they were trying to figure out what happens to a person when they get abused and the the people that they used were just dummies or something like to them. like yeah like they they were looked at as less than human they they went to um in new york they did a test on a guy who jumped out of a window and killed himself so as a result of that they were no longer allowed to do their tests in new york so they just went to san francisco and they dropped lsd in the in the pint glasses of all like tourists in san francisco and stuff like that Jesus. so like they literally just it sounds like it got to a stage where people were like yo i wonder how many lsds it'll take this person to think that they see monsters in all the cars and stuff like that um, yeah 
It's and like that episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, it when is. All those hippies' plants make their way into the water supply. Exactly. Yeah. Or they, totally yeah, they or they release the drinks. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in the cans of juice that they make. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the what was the other thing I was going to say that was really fucked up? Yeah, the everybody in the CIA started dropping acid in their co-workers drinks and stuff like that and it became a genuine occupational hazard within the cia during mk that people yeah. would be like tripping balls and not knowing that they're doing it like it's just insane oh my god it's just this was like 30 years of no that's not right 20 years of people yeah. who actual like trusted intelligence officers like yeah. running amok with hallucinogens and just what godlike power to yeah. give them to literally anybody. Like, it's... like historically, it seems like they had such a fixation and fascination with LSD. Though above all else, it seemed like that was just kind of it just blew their minds, like yeah. literally and figuratively. Yeah, America's relationship with drugs is the most like excruciating thing. If yeah. you are an enthusiast or, like, in any way interested in drugs and the study of drugs, like, the fact that basically, like, no one is allowed to smoke weed in America. I mean, up to recently, obviously. But mm. basically because everyone was allowed to do it and then the Mexicans came in and started doing it. So the government was like, no, nah, we, we can't be doing that. They The, the name marijuana comes from a government-led campaign to uh, make weed seem like unclean and foreign like that's oh, wow. why they started calling it marijuana so like they did so all of that anyway they got rid of it and then like after they banned stuff like heroin and and drugs like that and lsd and coke and all of that it was the cia that was flying like industrial quantities of these drugs back into the country to put them on the market and sell them. exactly because like, they were seeing how much money could be made yeah 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 the whole um cocaine wars of the 70s and 80s basically it was the police who were largely responsible for all of that cocaine being there in the first place yeah like yeah. It, it's so the um I, I i listened to alex jones on joe rogan recently and mm. then i had to lie down for about 10 hours but um <laughs> yeah. he spoke about the opium um trade in afghanistan and how much it's gone up since the american invasion and it's like afghanistan is responsible for like 93 percent of the world's opium production exactly exactly oh man the cia have like the most fucked up record for yeah they're nefarious but there, have you seen the list of the countries that the CIA has overthrown the government in and installed their own government? No. You want me to read through it? Yeah. All right. So in 1953, they overthrew the democratically elected um, Mohammed Mossadegh, Mas- Mossadegh uh, in a military coup in Iran. Um, in 1954, they overthrew the democratically elected Jacob Arbenz in a military coup in Guatemala. In 1954, they did the same thing in North Vietnam with the communist government. In Hungary, they did it. In 1956, they did it in Laos. In 1957, Haiti. 1959, they attempted it with the famous Bay of Pigs invasion. Um, which was also called Operation Mongoose, which was another false flag type thing where they tried to invade Castro's Cuba, which led to a false flag that we'll talk about very shortly. But um, 
yeah, so they tried to get to... I really love the way they could never get Cuba for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 1961, the same year that they did the Bay of Pigs invasion, they assassinated the dictator of the Dominican Republic, um, who they supported and installed in the 30s. Not the CIA, but the precursor to the CIA. Yeah. Um, then in this same year, they, um, they overthrew the democratically elected president of Ecuador, and they overthrew the democratically elected president of Congo, which at the time was Zaire. Then in 63, they went back to the Dominican Republic and overthrew the guy that they put in two years previous. Oh, my God. Uh, they went to Ecuador and overthrew their president. Then next year, they went to Brazil, overthrew their democratically elected president. In 65, went to Indonesia, went to Dominican Republic, Greece, and Zaire, all in the same years, and installed new governments there. Then in uh, 67, they went back to Greece and... Um, they didn't overthrow anyone in 67, but they did play a huge part in um, a military coup overthrowing the government in Greece once again. Uh, in 68, they did it in Bolivia, 69, Uruguay, 70, Cambodia, 71, Bolivia and Haiti. And it goes on and on and on. Like That's insane. In the years following it, they did uh, Chile, Angola, um, like obviously Iran in the 70s and stuff like that Afghanistan, yeah. Nicaragua like honestly they have been responsible for so many things in the world and that's before like the American government basically created all of the instability in the Middle East and stuff like that you know throughout yeah, the yeah. 80s like it's fucking crazy like their influence on global politics and how understated it is yeah, yeah. Like, one of the things that led me to do this episode was that I am a skeptic, like a hardline skeptic. I, like, too hardline of a skeptic, to be honest. I'm at a point where if someone questions 9-11, I immediately put them into the crazy bracket. And it's actually making me stupider and less enlightened as a person, and I need to stop doing it. But <laughs> in light of this whole Hillary Trump thing, I've really had to reassess what I think a government is, and how stable I think a government is, and how sort of protected and vulnerable to scrutiny they deserve to be and stuff like that so yeah um i wanted to make this episode to show people that i'm not a corporate shill yeah exactly Hillary, <laughs> you know that you have been red-pilled to some degree <laughs> yeah perhaps what, what, I, what I love about the term red-pilling is that the matrix is like an allegory for um like transgen like gender dysphoria and stuff like that and like okay. generally people who talk about red pill philosophy you'll find on the reddit the subreddit you know the red pill yeah. subreddit and they are not <laughs> particularly friendly to transgenders so okay interesting it's 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 a little hint of irony i suppose in their philosophy that it was literally created by transgenders who were telling an important story which has several layers of uh transgender imagery and and sort of uh hints and stuff like that it's mm. anyway um yeah like i just want to show that you know, government yeah. government is fucked up yo and uh big time the cia are, are not above anything as yeah well it doesn't sound like yeah no that, that's like such a brief thing i just read off too like you, you know you get to the middle east and the the stuff that they did particularly in iran but even, like, America's influence in Syria and stuff like that. Like, you ever see those photos where it's, like, Afghanistan in 1950-whatever, and it's mm. women walking around freely and stuff? Oh, totally, yeah. 
like <laughs> a lot of that has to do with the fact that America picks a dictator and decides that they can be like America installed Saddam Hussein like yeah and Gaddafi in Libya and stuff like that. like there's a really good kind of pair of images uh, comparing the Iran women's volleyball team from the 1960s I think or 1970s versus the modern day and it's completely changed like they're far far more conservative now like they don't show off any skin yeah and back in the day like Iran was like the France of you know what I mean like with the Paris and the like fashion of the Middle East yeah like it and then it just all changed and basically stemming from the 70s yeah from that like cia intervention yeah <laughs> pretty much it's, it's crazy like yeah it was the cia who installed um the shah what was it you know the shah who um like the shah of iran i i can't remember his name but he he yeah. famously like collapsed amid social pressure in the 70s okay um, but he he was the guy that was installed by the CIA, like, and yeah. he he was a dictator whose police force were basically worse than the SS. They were like the SS on steroids. They were like the SS who had gone through the MK Ultra project and become super SS guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just the CIA, man. They have so much blood on their hands, and we don't really think about it because like like, where did they get the power and the leverage to carry all these things out that's the other thing is that they do this um there's a when you start getting into the real like info wars conspiracy Mm. false flag thing there is a thing that's known as the deep state and it's basically the far-reaching roots of the government that are not democratically elected and that are not voted in. It's 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 usually within the military establishment, like leaders who, um, who what they take over the CIA and they they can be in charge of that for like twenty five years. And in a lot of cases, the president doesn't even know what's going on with the CIA, and the CIA operates in the shadows outside the jurisdiction of anybody. Yeah. And a lot of that is a result of what's called the deep state. There's a fairly um. There's a fairly substantial article about the Turkish deep state, which is pretty interesting. Um, I remember reading it from the uh, the failed military coup that they had, and I was sort of mm. wondering how that all happened. And basically, the Turkish deep state is a really deeply rooted um, state of sort of military control. That's Was that a false flag? No, it wasn't a false flag, no. Okay. Um, well, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that it was, but I, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but should we talk about the granddaddy of all false flag proposals? Um, Let's do it. So this isn't something that actually happened, but this is something that very nearly happened, and it's called Operation Northwoods, and I've actually spoken about it on my channel before, although um, I'm pretty sure that Jack sort of took the lead on it, and there's really no harm in in, uh, revising it here. Uh, So this was under um, JFK's presidenthood. (laughs) What's presidency the, presidency thank you um that's why i have a co-host on this show <laughs> um yeah but jfk actually didn't know that this was happening and when he found out about it he completely restructured the cia um yeah but um it was while JFK, possibly why he was assassinated as well yeah that's a huge allegation all right that's uh, yeah. been made but um, Operation Northwoods was a plan uh, by... I, I don't know, what did, did this originate with the CIA? I don't actually think it did. I think this came from the Department of Defense. Um, okay. I think they the Department of Defense and the Chief of Staff 
or joint Would that have been Jedgar Hoover? Ooh, no, it was no? a guy called Lehman Lemonitzer. Okay. Um, who had a lot of L's in his name. Um, <laughs> but he he was the he was the driving force behind it, and I don't know specifically what he was, but he was like either the chairman of the Department of Defense or mm. he was the chairman of the CIA. Yeah. Um, but it started out with the Department of Defense and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and okay. they brought it to the CIA, and basically everyone went all in, balls to the wall, fuck Fidel Castro, we gotta do this on this plan. And this was to create several uh, false flag operations to bomb like many innocent people in Miami. Uh, they planned on hijacking planes and flying them into buildings, which sounds pretty familiar. Um, yeah. They planned on... This is one of the most horrible parts of it for me, and I don't really know why, but there were people fleeing the Castro regime in boats um, to emigrate to um, America, as Tony Montana famously did in real life mm. when he started his cocaine empire in Miami. <laughs> um, but they planned on bombing the fucking dinghies that they were coming across in. I think it was to make uh, Castro look like a monster. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely yeah, was. Which yeah. is so funny because it's like you don't even need to make him look like a monster. I mean, yeah. me and Justin Trudeau and Michael D. Higgins disagree on this point because I don't <laughs> think he was that great of a guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think he was that great either. But um, the, the lengths that the U.S. went to discredit him, like if you want to google the timeline of um of cia attempted coups uh, and cia uh installation of governments and stuff like that you will see how far they went to attempt to overthrow castro and it amazes me that they couldn't do it like it comes to me as no surprise that castro is held as this sort of symbol of um of like rebellion and and sort of uh, anti-establishment and stuff like that yeah like for his ability to stand up to america and just not succumb to all of their dirty tricks like it's yeah and like a a poor communist country yeah yeah it's great with great healthcare. unbelievable yeah yeah um but yeah this this plan was like a full scale like surely this stops becoming a false flag and becomes a civil war at this point yeah it was basically gonna be like just so many bombings and like planting of fake evidence and all of this stuff to try and implicate the Cuban regime that so that they can go in and overthrow it should probably establish for people listening that a false flag operation is when the military of a country um it's it's usually military i mean it can stem from government but it's basically that they want to gain public approval towards a certain thing like a political maneuver and so they commit an atrocity within their own borders on their own citizens and plant a false flag as in the flag of another country and say they did it i mean they don't yeah. physically plant the flag on the ground that's that's not how war works <laughs> <laughs> they come out yeah. they plant a jolly roger on the ground and, <laughs> look pirates <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it had to be them it's their flag yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so basically the perpetrator is yourself against your own people but you kind of make it appear that it was someone or something else yeah it, it's basically it's it's become a calling card for gun nuts to say about every school shooting in america that it's obama trying to take away their guns and mm. 
you know, holograms and stuff like that. But the the fact is that false flags are real and they have been planted in the past. And we are going to discuss false flags that actually were committed uh, as opposed to Operation Northwoods, which thankfully was nipped in the bud uh, by mm. JFK when he found out about it. I just love the idea of all the military officials in all the different branches of military um, establishments that they have in America, like all the different wings coming together and being like, oh, this is ju- yeah, this is yeah, absolutely yeah. this makes sense. And then JFK seeing it and going, what? No! Yeah. <laughs> of I course read, not. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get out of my office. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, just ripping it up and just throwing it at them. Yeah, just being baffled as to how. And telling them he's got a plane to catch to Texas. He hopes <laughs> to see them when he comes back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Oh my god, did you know, by the way, speaking of conspiracies, this is a big one, um, the show Dallas was created as part of uh, a movement by like the um, the government of Texas to reestablish Dallas's place as a household name after the JFK assassination. Oh wow. And the whole thing, I shot J.R., was to try and take away from the fact that people associate oh Dallas shooting JFK, but people could be like, no, shooting JR in Dallas. That's, <laughs> oh my God. That, that is genuinely 100% the truth. That's so ridiculous. It's also a conspiracy. It's literally a conspiracy. That's amazing. I watched that movie with Natalie Portman there recently, uh, Jackie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So good. Really worth watching. Yeah, I, I know two people who saw it and said it was rubbish, but they were people <laughs> who's, who, whose opinions usually mean the opposite for me <laughs> yeah no I, I really enjoyed it i thought it was quite it was quite slow but it was it was very dramatic and yeah. just sort of yeah i thought natalie portman was her incredible self as usual she's a goddess she, no she's actually a goddess like, yeah no yeah, she's an she, incredible woman she's out of this world and she gave birth to luke and leia skywalker so let's, <laughs> yeah yeah let's give it up for queen abadala um <laughs> and she put jabba the hood up for adoption. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that what she did? I, I, I mean, she... I... <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. That's We're... good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Podcasting. It's so yeah. easy, kids. <laughs> yeah, actually, one actually interesting fact about her in um, Star Wars, was it episode, don't tell me, was it episode one? She was in the first three. Well, one, two, and three. Not the first three. Uh, she missed the premiere of the first one because she had a high school exam the next day. Oh, my God. She's the dream. She's just <laughs> an incredible... She went to Harvard as well. She studied psychology, yeah. Oh, my God. And now she's actually married to her ballet choreographer from Black Swan. Oh, no way. That's the guy who um, is the father to her child and her loving husband, yeah. <laughs> Spoken well, like a man who truly has a picture of him on his dartboard. <laughs> of course, of course. Natalie Portman will forever be Bay. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, uh, she'll never dethrone Beyonce for me. What? Was, someone asked me in work today. Adele is already dethroned. So, someone asked me in work today, what do you think about Adele giving half her award to Beyonce? And I was like, she should have given her the whole fucking award. Everyone should give all the awards to Beyonce. When someone wins an Oscar, give it to Beyonce. Yeah. Don't even make Kanye get up on that stage and tell you where to... <laughs> That's something we definitely disagree on. But I love your enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, that's fine. You're allowed to disagree. You're just not allowed to ever tell me that you, <laughs> that you disagree. Um, yeah. So do you have anything else to add about Northwoods apart from WTF, bro? Um, I just think, like, if you kind of think about 9-11, as you alluded to earlier, in the context of Operation Northwoods being a near certain possibility, like, I think it kind of adds a little bit of weight to the idea that 9-11 could be an inside job. Like, obviously, it doesn't prove anything. But it does go to prove the lengths that the U.S. will go to to carry out its ideological war or whatever. This is really good priming for the next episode, for the actual conspiracy theory one. Like, we're really teasing people now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree. It just just goes to show that they're not above any of this. Yeah. You know, government doesn't mean anything. They're still humans who get so fucking offended by journalism that they try to assassinate them or like so scared of communism that they try to assassinate their own people for political gain like they're humans you know and yeah humans are not above this kind of bullshit at all like yeah we are the worst when it comes to stuff like this so exactly yeah because we know the ramifications of what we're doing and we know there are a lot more moral alternatives yet we exactly. decide to go against them yeah. it, it's it's ultimately the belief that the good that you're doing in the long run you know outweighs all of the bad that you're doing now it's the machiavelli the ends justify the means ideology yeah. which by the way the prince the machiavelli book was apparently uh, a work of satire and he was taking the piss out of all the dictators in the world at the time interesting yeah i only found that out like a year ago i read it i I don't know if it's actually been confirmed but i know that a really respected historian has at Mm. least hypothesized it but it may it may well have since been confirmed but um yeah like like, voltaire's candide was kind of a a very sarcastic tongue-in-cheek attack at that time as well like i I think like those sorts of authors were very kind of well acquainted with yeah like satire and making fun of things but not being open about it and yeah that's what i find really funny about like our culture now and the way that you know how um was it kellyanne conway who said about the bowling green massacre Oh, yeah. And so a bunch of people are, like, out there, like, having a fucking candlelit vigil for the... I know. Right? And and so people did the same thing for Harambe. And I, I kind of think it, we've gotten to a point in culture where irony is actually the new stupidity. Like, it, it's like... Yeah. I cannot be bothered to even fathom an actual... Like, I, I cannot even attempt to summon a real opinion or a real feeling or a real semblance of anything other than, dude, Harambe, lol. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. I, I feel like Harambe was the first instance where people were like, all right, look, people get outraged over everything. We need to embody that in order to make fun of it. And yeah. now people are getting outraged over fake things. And, like, it's not real outrage, sure, but it's real energy that they're dedicating to it. You know what I mean? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of interesting. Like, I think there's something in that. I I would love to see a psychological breakdown of Mm. the people that are attending the Bowling Green and Harambe candlelit vigils. Yeah. Versus, like, like, paralleled with, like, 
political things or even just things in the world that they actually care about you know what i mean like i have a feeling that the same people going to those candlelit vigils are the same people who are like man paul walker was the best actor of all time can't believe (laughs) you know what i mean like that kind of fucking person it must have been an inside job (laughs) yeah he knew too much yeah to this day my favorite harambe meme actually came out at halloween it was a basically a picture of harambe and then a big bowl of sweets and it said Take one for Harambe. He took one for you. This <laughs> is brilliant. Uh, yeah, so many great memes. I saw one of um, it was like making fun of uh, like the the left and, and and the crazy part of the left, and it was like someone photoshopped Donald Trump into the zoo and it, it, it showed like a transcript for and it looked so legitimate too. It was like a transcript. Of Trump saying, like, throw a child into the enclosure. I want to see what happens. <laughs> oh, that is like, a dank meme. Proof that Donald Trump is the devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, like, did you ever see that one with Harambe and the kid is there? He's like, okay, kid, I don't have much time, but Hillary Clinton. And then, like, it yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are just all that matter i know they really are though like they yeah. actually sway people like the, yeah. the pepe thing the pepe frog meme has like literally united people towards something like oh it's, i know it's taken all the like the, those disenfranchised and angry people who can't specifically put their finger on what they're angry at they just literally follow the meme i and know then they but, end up in in the are you following sargon of akkad and kekistan no, I know, I know them though. He's after inventing a country for Pepe the Frog. Oh, excellent! <laughs> it's called Kekistan. It's hilarious, oh, and dear. like every second tweet is basically like the fight for Ke- the freedom of Kekistan oh, and the geez. oppression of Kekistan. It's just amazing. And it's obviously Kek is in K E K, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. The he was banned for a while, wasn't he? Sorry. He was. He lost all his followers because yeah. he tweeted gay porn, wasn't it? Yeah, he goes yeah. on these weird gay porn rants. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's fair, you know. Yeah. you got to look out at the important stuff. Um, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. interesting thing. Uh, somebody else was banned from Twitter recently for... Oh, who was it? It was a guy from a band I actually really like as well. Um, um, was it... Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great input. Yes, that is who it was. <laughs> Um, it was a guy who was trying to show people how to correctly punch a Nazi, and he got banned on Twitter. Jesus. So I, th- I think that that's a, a good little um, answer to, uh, you know, that Twitter and not only banning right people, people on the right. Yeah, I, I just think it's so weird that the dictionary definition of Nazi has now taken to mean basically anyone i don't agree with yeah no i i cannot deal with the uh the trump comparisons to hitler thing yeah like, I know. i've been saying it for a long time yeah uh, it's it just, just delegitimizes like the the yeah. horrible impact hitler had and also the thing is when we're faced with actual hitler again we're not going to know that it's hitler because we've called exactly. everything hitler up to this point you know what i mean i wonder is there like an opposite to the sapir whorf hypothesis in that if you use a word too much 
So, like, obviously, the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis suggests that if you take a word away, you lose the concept of it. But I wonder, is there kind of a, a correlate of that, where if you use a word too much, you diminish and dilute the impact of the idea? Yes. And here is one word that will pretty much prove what you're trying to say. Literally. Oh, yeah. We yeah. don't have a context anymore for the literal meaning of the word literally. Because we yeah. say it when we mean virtually. So exactly, we, we yeah. no longer have a word that means... I am speaking completely factually here and all of the things I'm saying are absolutely correct. Yes, yeah, yeah, factually correct, yeah. 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 So we don't have that anymore because Mm. literally, literally, it was literally, you know? Like, I I literally died of shock. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know Hannibal, the comedian? I didn't think he was that that funny now. No, I don't really. Oh, I see what you did. (laughs) Um, Hannibal, what's Hannibal Burgess, something like okay. that. Okay. Um, he, I, I don't really like his jokes that much, but he did tell a really funny one one time that I was watching. That's the worst like build up to a story I've ever told. Um, <laughs> but he was like, yeah, I was in Scotland and I was in England, and people always ask me back home, what's the difference between Scotland and England? Well, in Scotland they say, no. Nah. And in England, they say, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think we've strayed sufficiently off topic. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. anyway, false flags. So, Harambe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, shall we talk about actual false flags that happened? Yeah, let's do it. Like the 32 County Ireland flag. Yes. (laughs) 30, uh, sorry, 26 plus 6 equals 1. Up the (laughs) rack. You... Chucky or law. Yeah, Jesus. I was I was trying to think earlier of like false flags that may have happened uh, in Ireland or, or like between because obviously and this may shock some people, but we have a strained past relationship with the Brits, or mm. or as we call them, them across the water. Um, <laughs> so good having another Irish person on the show, by the way, because <laughs> when I'm surrounded by too many English people, I get patriotic, and I'm not a patriotic person. I couldn't give a fuck where I'm from. And do you go back to your cupboard and make sure all your potatoes are still there? Yes, every like a, single time. That's something. If I was surrounded by English people too long, I'd always be a bit suspicious that I was losing potatoes. I always, I always like whenever I'm in England and they make a potato joke, I always <laughs> have to make sure that they know. That the British government used the famine to attempt genocide on the Irish people. Like, I have to always be like, you know, they knew that the famine was coming because it, it had it had affected like Scotland and even parts of North America and stuff like like, you know that, don't you? Yeah. You know, they shipped all the corn out of Ireland so that the Irish had no other food. And then they forced them to work on all these roads that weren't even going anywhere. And then they fed them blighted potato. Like, you know that that happened, though, don't you? And my English friends are like, dude, like, you're such a dick. Why are you doing all of this to me? (laughs) um, One uh, false flag that the Brits did actually plant in recent history. This really surprised me. I found this out today. Um, Between 1946 and 1948, which were notoriously tumultuous years in global politics, so there were boats... Or ships. Don't know what the difference between a boat and a ship. Oh, Jack, who used to co-host this show, once told me, right? The mm. difference between a ship and a boat is that you can put a boat on a ship, but you can't put a ship on a boat. What about a friendship? 
that's not a ship, though. <laughs> you can't just put an apostrophe in front of it and say, Hey, dog, we have a sick ship, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Anyone who calls a friendship a ship, that's like the nerdiest thing. <laughs> you have to come up with a slang word for your friendship. <laughs> yeah. That's this so ship's sad. been through a lot, yo. Many a, <laughs> many a storm. <laughs> oh my god. This ship been sailing on rough seas for time. <laughs> Why is it always black guys saying it? I don't even know. <laughs> and why are you using Ebonics as well? This ship no been. Idea. This ship been, dog. Damn, oh cuz. <laughs> Get back in and eat your cornbread and. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, we're both two of the whitest Irish people. Like, we're so, I'm an albino. We're so Irish, like, when we talk. Like, we don't even have that sort of rough Dublin Conor McGregor accent to fall back on. Like, we're Sadly. literally... <laughs> to people listening, we are fiddly-dee-potato Hollywood Irishmen. <laughs> like, yeah. we're here speaking in ebonics and laughing <laughs> so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so... Alright, let's pull it back. This is really sad as well, what I'm about to say, and it's, it literally broke my heart when I read it. <laughs> and now I can't get the idea of a white guy with a backwards baseball cap <laughs> talking to his best friend <laughs> about their ship, yo. Okay. Oh. <clears throat> Alright, so... The br- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's the LSD in the water. My stomach is so sore. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, we need to take a commercial break. Holy shit. <laughs> I can't, I need to take a break. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> 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 oh my god. I need to take my jumper off. One sec. Oh, god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I literally just laugh till I sweat. It's time for forgiveness. And it's time for relief. It's time that we've wasted. So it's time to believe. what's going on guys obviously that was not an intended interlude um but what are you gonna do we have an interlude the song is way to the world it's a demo by our lady peace it's not a particularly amazing song but um they're a great band and i really like them i hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far like i said a little bit of a light take on uh, a relatively serious topic but i i can't explain that you know fit of laughter right there um but i guess this is a good opportunity to let you know that i have merch and the link is in the description so if you want to buy a t-shirt or a hoodie or a phone case or a fire extinguisher we don't have fire extinguishers i should i should work on getting those um but a mug you know duvet covers whatever it's all there in the description enjoy the rest of the song and the rest of the episode i'll talk to you guys at the end time that we borrow, it's time that we breathe and it's time that we're taking and it's time that everybody There's a warning up ahead The 
baby deaths and stuff. Okay. The British government admits that between 1946 and 1948, they bombed five ships carrying Jews attempting to flee the Holocaust and seek safety in Palestine. Right? Which is just fucking crazy. They killed a bunch of innocent Jews. Like, they were on the side of the Allies and they killed the Jews. And the crazy thing about it is that I don't even think they did it to point out how horrible the Nazis are because they set up a fake terrorist group called Defenders of Arab Palestine. Like, they basically created... They basically, like, through their own Islamophobia, were like, oh, I bet you the Arab Palestinians aren't going to like this. Let's show yeah. the people how much they're not going to like it by, you know, carrying out their alleged work for them. So, I, that is, like, absolutely crazy. I, I don't know how that knowledge hasn't tainted Britain's perception of their, you know, heroics during World War Two because it's been... Like, it, it's widely asserted. It, it's a fact that Russia, they, A, lost more people to the Nazis, and B, they killed more Nazis than any other country. They killed more Nazis than everybody in World War II combined. Really? Russia wow. killed 80% of the Nazis in World War II at a conservative estimate. Other estimates place it at 90%. But that's really interesting because Hitler only turned his attention to Stalin and the East quite late on in the campaign, didn't mm-hmm. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. But, um, the, like, common wisdom is that, you know, Hitler didn't know how weather worked and they lost because of the winter. Like, no. They knew what they were doing. Like, they went in there at a, at a harsh time, but they were well prepared for it, well briefed for it. Um, they, yeah. the, you know, they had done years of reconnaissance on Russia. Like, the reason that Hitler had played Stalin as an ally for so long well, was partially so that he could, you know, gain as much information as he could and stuff like that before he made his move. But H- Hitler sending his troops in there was not an idiotic decision in terms of weather you know it was an idiotic decision because he couldn't possibly have foreseen the fact that the red army were a bunch of fucking demons and that they would literally eat the germans like you know there were probably more red army soldiers than the germans had bullets like let's be honest even if every german shot was a headshot i still don't think they would have won no and even when even when the red army ran out of bullets that didn't fucking stop them like they threw themselves at the nazis the the battle of stalingrad like deserves a hollywood blockbuster movie oh my god yeah big time uh and it's a crime that we haven't gotten one to be honest because it's it's probably the most fascinating like battle you know, imaginable. Yeah. Certainly in recent memory. I mean, I, I really like uh, the reading and listening to stuff about the World War One battles that they had because they were really brutal. Yeah, like they, they, they were up close, like mono mono. Yeah, they they turned they turned into meat grinders from just yeah. like flesh clanging together and stuff. It, exactly. Like, they like they pick up a shovel or whatever, yeah. and, and that would be their weapon for the next twenty four hours until yeah. they. Yeah. But um, this this thing about the British government, like creating a, a, a pseudo terror group and bombing the so Jews, weird. that is absolutely insane. And like that's yeah. that's literally true. That's proven. Like that's publicly available information. You know. So weird. It's fucking disgusting. Like. Yeah, but crazy. it's 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 what they say though is um like history is written by the victors. You know. Ah uh-huh, yeah. And like, and, and, and that's it, so true. Like. Yeah. And, but especially when you look at like the Nuremberg trials post World War Two, yeah. and how like like the, while the Germans were absolutely horrible, like the Russians 
were just as bad. Yep. Yet there were no Russians up facing whatever, you know what I mean, trial and execution. Yeah, 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 that's true. It's madness like. Um interestingly, the Nuremberg trials uh revealed like several uh false flag operations that the Nazis had committed on their own people. Um, mm. which they blamed on Poland before they started their first invasion. So Okay, um, okay. That was pretty interesting too. Yeah, yeah. Um do you want to talk about some? Um well the one the, the only one I've heard of is the Reichstag fire. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big one. Yeah, which was basically a way for kind of Hitler to develop uh public kind of anger towards kind of communists and stated that basically this guy, uh, Van der Loop, who was a young Dutch council communist, that he'd been caught at the scene of the fire, and it was some president, or no, it was some governmental building that he was apparently after burning down? It was the parliament, the, built, the houses of parliament. Yes, in the houses of parliament, Very exactly, good. yeah. And he'd, he had just uh, immigrated from, well, yeah, from, he, he was Dutch, was he? So that's where he came, yeah, he came straight from the Netherlands. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yes, basically he was used as a scapegoat to kind of rouse public support. It's an scapegoat, technically, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that, that's a thing that's in, entered the language. People say scapegoat now instead of scapegoat. Oh, a scapegoat? No, people say an scapegoat, like E. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's literally wrong. Yeah, it's literally wrong. But um... apparently, uh, scapegoats actually used to be goats. Oh, really? Yeah. So the word was actually uh, originated in biblical times when, if, say, for instance, uh, a village's farm wouldn't yield crop, or some of the women were barren, so to speak, they'd basically get a goat and have some shaman throw all the misfortunes onto this goat and kick it out of the village. That, that is be... so harsh. And that would be the scapegoat that would then. Like get rid of all their misfortune Aww. and all their bad karma. Can you imagine yeah. a little goat walking out of a village? Like... Although in fairness, a Middle Eastern village goat probably has a better time by himself than, yeah, <laughs> than tied up to a tree. Yeah, you? that is true. Yeah. Getting taught religion, huh? <laughs> They'd fill him right up. <laughs> Jesus, is that a thing? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sure, like, there's that meme, isn't there, of, like, that guy from the Middle East in bed, like, oh, I can't sleep, let me count sheep. And then, like, you just see him counting sheep in the next, like, picture is him with a boner. It's so funny the way we um, ascribe that... <laughs> I was about to say taboo. It's not a taboo. It's, like, literally, like, a crime. But the, <laughs> the, the idea of, like, all people in the mountains, like, they all have sex with sheep, as do, like, yeah. the Welsh and stuff. Like, exactly. It, it, I, was, I was just going to bring up the Welsh as well, as people who are a bit closer to home. It's it's so I I would really love to explore um, what it is that makes like twenty first century men and women. Although in fairness, it's usually men that do this, I think. But but say I live in Swords in a place called River Valley, which I'm sure you're familiar with, <laughs> and across mm. the valley is a place called the Manor. Mm. And so because I'm from River Valley and we're separated by the valley. I am legally obligated to hate everyone that lives in the manor. And, like, it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, it's, it's so arbitrary. It's like this mirror estate that's actually a lot nicer than River Valley. Um, <laughs> Do you I, think? Yeah, I, I used to live in the manor, and it was fantastic. River Valley is, like, the ghetto of swords. I mean, it's decrepit and falling apart, and all the box rooms have mold, and, <laughs> you know... <laughs> 
But yeah, it's, I, I'd love to know what it is that makes us hate people who are in any way, shape, or form different to us, even if they are literally the exact same, but they live five minutes away. Yeah, it, it's in-group, out-group social psychology. It's fascinating. Yeah, I, but I, I want to know why. I, I, like, yeah. I want to know who to read on it. I, you know, I've, I've Googled... Um, I've done Google searches on this. Like, I listen to lots of uh, audiobooks and stuff, so... Um, it's not beyond me to actually do the research that I'm saying I wish I would do. You, you, you're awaiting government funding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm awaiting an extra credit to be added to my Audible thing. You know. Hopefully yes. they'll sponsor the podcast someday and just fucking give me some credits for free. Nice, yeah. Because um... it's auto bullshit if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's auto order. <laughs> oh, my God. that's crazy. You gotta me there. Shit, no, damn. Yeah, let's just keep going. That's all we have time for this week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> On puns galore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just I want to know who to read. If any if any enlightened listener out there can point me in the right direction to learn about tribalism, I'm, I'm very interested because the only one that I did actually find was uh, a, a book on tribalism that was endorsed by the Huffington Post, which is you know, as useful as somebody coughing blood onto a book and telling me to read it. So <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the British government also, um, admitted that they colluded with America in the 50s to, um, plan out some attacks in Syria and blame it on the Syrian government so that they could, surprise, surprise, install their own leader in that country. Mm. So, um, yeah, the, the British government not above this type of thing either. And also, like, you know, Harrow Downhill. No. Yeah, Howard Hill was like kind of that thing around the time of the Iraq War and the Tony Blair administration. You never heard of Howard Hill? No. Yeah, so uh, Tom York released a song actually called Howard Hill, and basically, I think the essence of it is is that like you know kind of weapons of mass destruction. Do they have weapons of mass destruction? Don't they? What's our intelligence? And basically, then they killed off some prominent politician. Who did? The British government? The, the, yeah, the British government, quite recently. The name, I'm missing it here. If you have Google there, Google Harrow Downhill. Harrow Downhill is a song written by Radiohead frontman Tom York. <laughs> um, but, like, the, the illusion, though, is that he, yeah, it, it's about an actual guy who was bumped off. And, like, it was made to look like a suicide when it wasn't. That's fucked up. Yeah. There's a, did you hear like maybe five years ago or so, there was like a British, an MI6 operative, he may have been MI5, don't know what the difference between those two organizations is apart from the number, but um, he was found dead inside of a suitcase and it was ruled as a fucking suicide or like death by misadventure. <laughs> like, yeah. like they alleged that he locked himself inside of the suitcase. That's so ridiculous. And died somehow like he didn't die of starvation or anything like that yeah uh, like i mean like come on like yeah, some really things is. just require a suspension at disbelief i can get behind the idea that vin diesel can crash his car right into um jason statham's car and then they can get out and still be in fit enough condition to fight and stuff like that's all in the name of entertainment i can get behind that I cannot accept a man falling into a suitcase, accidentally sealing it shut, and then dying of natural causes yeah. while inside. 
But also, he's probably like a well-built guy. Like, what strong man can't get out of a suitcase? I know, yeah. I mean, all you have to do is, like, just put your nails under the fucking... The zip Exactly. Like, even if your nails aren't long enough, I mean, if you're in there... You know, like you just you just kick your legs out. Yeah, Jesus. Like it's unless you're yeah no like that's absolutely absurd. I always found the notion of um, killing someone and putting their body into a suitcase to be insane because it's like sh- surely you've got to break some limbs to put a person into a suitcase. Have you ever tried to get into a suitcase? It's fucking yeah. hard, yo. Like they're not yeah. that big. Like. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah, usually they have to chop them up, don't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what they did with the dentist in the TV show Love Hate, but they definitely put him in a suitcase and then put him into the canal. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's gotta suck. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, the German government admitted in, or admitted that in 1978, the German secret service detonated a bomb in the outer wall of a prison, and planted escape tools on a prisoner who was a hmm. member of the Red Army faction, and they wanted to frame the bombing on him. Wow. Mm. That's, uh, I suppose, the result of uh, Germany and Russia's ideological war that has continued to this very day. But uh, yeah. Red Army prisoners in the 70s getting false flag operationed, that's crazy. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? I love reading about... Um, the fear of communism and how like, yeah. I, I really feel like in the cultural canon we failed to actually warn people the dangers of communism because, yeah. and, and I think it's because of the fear of it or yeah, rather people are scared that yeah if you talk about it at all that it'll catch on yeah 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 I, I yeah. wonder that that's not a great precursor to what's happening now in the world people just being too afraid to talk about Islam Anything. and yes, yes, like the correlation between Islam and terrorism. Like, exactly. Because in the eighties, like well, let's, uh, like late sixties, seventies, and eighties, um, the word terrorist was synonymous with the word Irish Catholic. Yeah. And like, it, it is a fact that destabilizing a government, starving a people of whatever it may be that they perceive to be a basic right. Like, these things breed terrorism. That's a fact all throughout history. Look at it anywhere. Like, we live in Ireland, so it's very easy for us to know full well what can breed terrorism. Mm. I mean, all the all the um, uh, fucking instability in the Middle East obviously plays a huge part in the reason why there are so many terrorists today. Because yeah. for a long time there, Islam coexisted with some form of democracy, not in every place in the Middle East, but certainly in some countries, or certainly in predominantly Muslim countries that did not have, we'll say secular <coughs> Muslim countries, exactly, did not exactly. have a church-state relationship. And yeah. so I really think that, I mean, the CIA installing the, sh- the Shah of Iran, like that, that's straight away, he turned it in, into a, a religion, a religious state. Where people yeah, theocracy. Were, yeah, exactly. That, and that's what happened as a result of the CIA. So like, you know, terrorists and, and everything that's happening in Iran's like current uh, sphere is pretty much a result of American like I mean sure it was a long time ago or whatever but the Gulf War was only like 27 years ago mm-hmm. like, it, I, I think it's repeated um, interference from America just repeated fucking using the Middle East as, as a 
experiment of sorts to just be like, we want this guy in charge so we can control this. Oh, that's not going to work. We need to get rid of him. Let's fund these people to go against him. And now let's put yeah. this guy in charge. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you can't just keep fucking with people like that. Exactly. And yeah. Expect, and regimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just like, that's what happens when you do that. As a, like, yeah. I guess the point of this episode, like, the one thing I'd like people to take home is that, like, government doesn't mean shit, really. And, like, your opinion, like, your whatever opinions, like, if, if you don't consider yourself to be, like, a political person or whatever, like, keep an eye on what the government is saying and try and find a way that it will represent you. Like, it's important to vote. It's important to do these yeah. things and, and pay attention. Like, it's... I, I just... It's not good to be out of the loop with stuff like this, especially now when pretty much everything is political on some level or another. Like, we, mm -hmm. we can't continue doing these things, like turning the Grammys into a proxy war about racism and stuff like that. Like, it's so fucking tiring. Like, Yeah. We just need to have these discussions out in the open and just... Exactly, yeah. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. Apart from false flags. <laughs> well, false flags is the best medicine, isn't that what they say? Oh, yeah. It's a famous... A flag a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Um, do you want to run through that list of false flags uh, just to quickly read out a few that people might not be aware of that they might find fascinating? Um, I don't think I have the list. I linked it to you just before. Oh, right. Sorry, yeah. Um, I can talk about one that is goes back to the Russia-Germany connection. Uh, and in the 40s, Joseph Stalin ordered his secret service to go into um, Poland and execute 22,000 Polish army officers and blame it on the Nazis. Jesus. Isn't it so weird, right, that Poland... Like, poor Poland has done nothing here, right? They're, like, mm -hmm. Poland is just in the middle being Poland, and they're like, hi, we're Poland. And the Nazis are killing their own people and saying it's Poland. And the Russians are killing the Polish and saying it's the Nazis. And Poland is like, why can't we just be Poland? Yeah, no, Poland's had it so hard throughout, like, especially yeah. the 20th century. Like, God love them. Like, there's, they're, But they're such a strong people. That's why I have such, a, I have such respect for them. I, and, I always and for Poland, yeah. I always bond so well with every single Polish person that I meet. Like, yeah, it's actually yeah. crazy how like if if ever I'm out and I meet a Polish person, I remember one time I, I was um when I was living in Glasgow I got in like a kind of a light scuffle with a Polish person, and he he found out that I was Irish and all of a sudden we were best friends. Yeah, and like he bought me a drink and everything and like came up to me at the end of the night and was like, dude, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what I was thinking and stuff. I don't know. It's That's really gas. good to be Irish sometimes, though. <laughs> we, yeah. We have yeah. it so good when we go abroad. Everybody oh, internationally, yeah. yeah. Everybody. It's it's funny because, like, we're guilty of so many of the same things that, that British people are. But whenever yeah. people see Irish people doing stupid things, they're like, ah, oh, those fucking English. And whenever <laughs> yeah. people see English people doing stupid things, they're like, ah, oh, those fucking English. And whenever yeah. they see Irish people, they're like, I love Irish people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> It's so nice. Yeah, it's a great reputation. Yeah, we've got it so good. Yeah, we do. Okay, so here's a good one. So, a major with the Nazi Secret Service admitted at the Nuremberg trials that under orders from the chief of the Gestapo, so like kind of the secret police, yeah. he and some other Nazi operatives faked attacks on their own people and resources, which they blamed on the Poles, to justify the invasion of Poland. 
Yeah. So basically, a false flag precipitated World War Two. Like that's essentially how World War Two began was the invasion of Poland. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well. Like everybody knows that the the moment World War Two started was when Hitler marched into Poland, and it's <laughs> like for fucking complete bullshit reasons. Yeah. And, and like the funny thing is, like we know it's bullshit reasons anyway. The reason that he went into Poland, but the fact that they had to set it up in that way, like that's yeah. another thing too that I'd really like people to take away is that. When we think of of Germany and you know the fact that Hitler was democratically elected and stuff, we always think, "What were those people thinking? How could they not see?" This is how they couldn't see. Yeah, like they're looking through a haze of smoke and mirrors, like to to try and get to the truth. Like b- between that, the propaganda, the lack of the internet, like you know, Nazi Germany or or the precursor to Nazi Germany would have felt like the most natural thing to people. Yeah. Like, like Nazi skepticism was definitely a thing, but the reason that it wasn't a thing to the extent that it stopped the Nazis was because, like, false flags, propaganda, like, all of these things, and also, like, demagoguery and yeah, appeals to emotion and stuff like that. Exactly. But, um, it's crazy to think that that's the way you just shape a people towards you achieving your goal like as a politician like isn't that what it's always about is like that sort of ego like combined with just a perceived god-given right to do this thing because it's under the color of you know the correct thing to do yeah yeah it's crazy it's totally crazy. Is that all we got? Um, just trying to see now. Just one thing about kind of uh, was interesting in relation to Fidel Castro. The U.S. Department of Defense suggested covertly paying a person in the Castro government to attack the United States. The only area remaining for consideration then would be to bribe one of Castro's subordinate commanders to initiate an attack on Guantanamo. So to, like, pay one of Castro's commanders to attack Guantanamo. Like, that's how little clue they had as to, like, how to get it going. If America at that time had any fucking, like, self-control or, or, like, ability to perceive themselves... Like, I mean, they've literally written a narrative for people like Justin Trudeau and people like Jeremy Corbyn and people like Michael D. Higgins to, to, like, see Castro as the little guy here. Like, he truly is the bully victim of this story. Exactly. Like, he actually is. He is. He's the underdog. Yeah. Like, America have just gone out of their way to fucking bully him and, like do everything that they possibly can to just act like dicks. And, like, the, the yeah. thing about it is that I don't even think it was... It, it had nothing to do with um, freeing the people of Cuba. It just oh, no. had to do with the fear of communism. It like, was I- ideological. And yeah. there's actually a lot of uh, reason to suggest that it was the ideological aspect of Hitler's war in World War Two that cost him it. It wasn't so much anything else other than, like, kind of... Like, basically, the Jews invented the atomic bomb. Imagine if instead of killing them, he actually just yeah. turned them into his his world, like the best scientists in the world. And imagine if Hitler got hold of the atomic bomb before anyone else. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Did you know, by the way, that Hitler had a doctor, like a personal doctor, who prescribed him um, like a an infant version of 
MDMA. Um, okay. No, sorry, it wasn't MDMA. It was meth. He 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 was constantly prescribed crystal meth oh, for wow. pretty much everything that was wrong with him. Um, he had he notoriously had a um, what's it called? Irritable bowel syndrome or like some stomach problem like that. Mm. Um, and he took MD uh, he took meth for it, and then like cool. um, eventually he kind of realized that his decisions were a little bit less in character. Um, This is where I get a little bit uh, conspiracy theory-ish. But the thing I'm about to say does hold up and is true in a sense. It's just not necessarily proven that these things are interconnected. But um, he was taking all this meth and he realized that he was behaving uncharacteristically in terms of his strategy so he got rid of that doctor and the new doctor was like all right no more meth i don't know what it was called back then but um Mm. so the new doctor said no more meth and then uh that was fine hitler went back to normal and then he was like nah dude i i need the meth and then sacked that doctor got the old one back um and and just started taking more meth and (laughs) it's kind of like hitler fucked up real bad on d-day like he the reason that like the um the allies were allowed to get as far as they did on d-day is because hitler was literally asleep because he stayed up all night watching movies um wow he had he had a diary where he noted every single movie that he watched and what he thought of it uh, apart from uh his his favorite um guy was charlie chaplin and he did watch the dictator twice but mm. he never wrote a comment on it which is pretty interesting um yeah he was allegedly really hurt by that um, and also it's been alleged that his square moustache comes from Charlie Chaplin himself because he absolutely idolised him and loved Hollywood, loved America, all that stuff. Um, Interesting. But anyway, a lot of people think that it was the Met that, that uh, pretty much lost, made Hitler kind of lose his mind and, and make a lot of like weird decisions. Um, yeah. And on top of that, the use of Met in um, Germany... Alleged, this this part is not proven at all, but it is alleged that the West Germany team that won the World Cup in 54, maybe, or 58? Um, 56. Wait, did we have the Olympics in 2000? Uh, we had a World Cup in 2002. So, Olympics in 2000? Yeah. So it would have been 56. That would have been 44 years before. Okay, so either the 56 or the 60. No, because it was a World Cup in 66, so there would have been a World Cup in 58 and 54. Um, So it was one of those World Cups that West Germany won, but it's alleged that those footballers in that West Germany team were high as balls on some form of um, performance-enhancing drug that consisted primarily of men. Wow. There you go, kids. Take a shitload of meth. Great <laughs> right note to end this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to go get my meth. <laughs> yeah, same. Smoke a bowl for me, friend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a good place to end it. Cool. That was a yeah, that was. I think it totally opens the door for more sort of in-depth abstracts.
So there you have it, folks. Turns out it was the government all along. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. We're closing out with a Daft Punk medley from my homeboys. And uh, I hope you guys really liked that episode. I thought it was a really fun kind of thing to do because it was a nice combination of humor and seriousness, which I kind of feel like maybe the podcast has been lacking in some way. And I feel like I've channeled it towards either or. And I think it can be both. Um quite a lot of the time so i've no idea what i'm doing for episode 80 i don't know if it's going to be a special episode or if it's going to be uh, a standard episode and we'll do a special one for 100 or 90 or 85 or whatever but um i just want to say thank you for all the support over the years uh, up to this point it's been incredible i know that i'm inconsistent but i want to assure you from the bottom of my heart that i do indeed try my hardest <laughs> but anyway um yeah, I've been Elden Hero. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Talk to you guys later. Fuck this. Why don't you play the game?